Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock of mine on murder and the judge's gavel fell jury found him guilty gave him 16 years in hell he said I ain't spending my life here I ain't living alone ain't breaking no rocks from the chain gang I'm breaking out and heading home I'm gonna make a change Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs 
no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com, where you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes and never missing one single episode. Thank you, especially everybody who does that. All right, at the top of the show there, just in case you've been, uh, what's the generic thing, living under a rock, raised by a religious cult, or just into 21 Pilots, you may not be familiar with that kickoff track, but that was Real Rock and Roll Kids' Jailbreak by ACDC, the iconic, legendary, Hall of Famers ACDC. And we are doing the show that I've been dreading for years now. Uh, you know, it's it was one of those things that was kind of an inevitability, sadly. Alzheimer's disease is nothing to fuck around with. And uh, unfortunately, in my opinion, the greatest riffmeister of all time, with all due respect to a bunch of really cool guys out there, you know, your Tony Iommi's, your Eddie Van Halen's, people like that, you know, the RST and LE's. Uh, to me, my journey with my fandom of Malcolm Young, especially, and ACDC, of course, really starts around 1990. I was very much aware of ACDC from about 84, 85 on, saw a handful of the videos on MTV, you know, through Who Made Who and Blow Up Your Video and stuff like that. But, you know, and also I was into, you know, Eddie Van Halen, Steve I, still am. Love me some shredders and everything, but uh, it was probably because of Passion and Warfare by Steve Vai. I remember about 1990 when that came out, and I was like, you know, you know, a lot of people, like I said, have been inspired by that record to be a lead guitar player. I became uninspired to be a lead guitar player. I just didn't think it was anything I could ever catch up to, but... You know, when you see a guy like Malcolm Young and another guy that was a massive influence on me, Steve Clark, uh, the late Steve Clark of Def Leppard, those two guys are feel riff guys that have written uh, riffs that will live on forever, way past them, us, anybody else, generations and generations to come. These songs are always going to be loved because you can like sing those riffs you know it's that it's the beavis and butthead thing but it's it's so true and there's a lot of soul there and you know malcolm and steve clark were my absolute two favorite guitar players personally because they knew how to create a song around a great riff so this one of course not only is it going to be a tribute to the recently deceased malcolm young but we recently lost george young of vonda and young productions the easy beats the eldest brother of the Youngs, and man, my heart goes out to Angus, man. Angus has had uh, had to have had the worst year of his life. I just can only imagine uh, my heart breaks for Angus. Uh, so this is dedicated to him. It's dedicated to the memory of George and the memory of the great Malcolm Young. So on top of this Malcolm Young tribute and ACDC tribute, we're also going to pay tribute to George Young. We're doing all George Young produced ACDC songs that also happen to be my personal favorite, you know, sort of deep tracks of ACDC. We could go super obvious, be here all night and things like that, but as we like to try to do here on Rock Strikes 10 for the most part is to spotlight the deeper cuts and things you're just not going to hear every day on the radio. I think Jailbreak is probably the closest you're going to get. So sit back and enjoy some of my favorite ACDC deep cuts produced by Vonda and Young and Albert Productions, and featuring the amazing guitar riffs of Malcolm Young. We did Jailbreak at the top of the show, which uh, domestically I got off a 74 Jailbreak. Great EP there. The closing track on the domestic 74 Jailbreak includes a cover of Baby Please Don't Go, which everybody and their moms covered that song. And to me, that is the definitive version of Baby Please Don't Go, the best version ever, and that's a massive massive tribute to our productions they could take a song like that and make the best possible version you put that on it's like road trip time you can see that car just peeling off in the desert with the smoke coming out when you hear baby please don't go so i actually i cut that one out the last minute uh, mostly because it was a cover but also I, I just really wanted to hear jailbreak tonight especially let's get into the second song here our second of 10 on rock strikes 10 here and i'm going to go in chronological order and starting with, uh, and this is of course all American domestic versions, especially when you're talking about the Bond Scott years 
it gets a little weird, you know, with the Australian UK track listings versus American and things like that. But of course we're going with us releases cause that's the ones we know and the ones we grew up on. If we grew up in the States, much respect to all the Europeans and Australians and people like that, but going off the U S version. So if I reference an album, you're like, that's not on that album. Well, it is to us. And I apologize. So one of my all time favorite tracks off of high voltage, a really great boogie rocker here and uh, not much else to say. There's not much to elaborate when it comes to the science of ACDC other than just like the Albert productions and plugging the mics in directly to the amp and just going for it. Here's an obvious example of that from high voltage. This is can I sit next to you girl? Can I Sit Next to You Girl from High Voltage. 
probably my favorite song off of High Voltage. And that's what we're going to do for the rest of the show here. My personal favorite songs off of Albert Productions, Vonda and Young, ACDC albums for George and Malcolm. Continuing on from the U.S. Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap release. And this one right here just, and I'll probably say this a lot, but this one especially, man, it just personifies rock and roll. Everything you ever need in rock and roll is in this 2 minute 51 second song. And it pretty much shares a title with another song that I would use that as an example. Another great overseas man's man band, Thin Lizzy. They have a song called The Rocker. And I would use that for an example to show the aliens what rock and roll is all about. Or, or 21 Pilots fans or Mumford & Sons fans. But this one right here, you put this on and instant balls are grown. This is... Rocker. And of course, the original version of Rocker from Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, which didn't come out in the U.S. until after Bon Scott died. I believe it was released between Back in Black and For Those About to Rock, or between For Those About to Rock and Flick of the Switch. I'm not sure. I think it was like 82 when that one came out. So not sure. I was alive, but, you know, I was only a few years old at that point. I caught up as quick as I could. Thankfully, I was indoctrinated early on by bands like ACDC and things like that I, you know it's nice it's nice I, I feel so bad once again I, I reference I reference the the music of today or at least the mainstream music of today because there's a lot of great new rock and roll bands out there that definitely worship at the altar and rightfully so of ACDC and those are some of the better new bands you're going to find unlike Alt-J who obviously never listened to ACDC. I don't know why I'm taking the opportunity to disparage a bunch of new bands but I'm just in that kind of mood tonight and it's a it's in, it's in a fight me if you'd like kind of mood like you get when you listen to music like this. And, you know, it's a little dangerous and a lot of fun. So here's another one like that from Let There Be Rock. This is Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be. 
from the classic Let There Be Rock album. That was Hell, Ain't a Bad Place to Be. I was lucky enough to hear that song live the last time I saw ACDC. Actually, the first and last time I saw ACDC live. I, I, I gotta imagine that this is it. I just don't know if Angus will want to continue at this point. Who knows? Maybe it's one of those things where he's still going to do it. I'm not going to heal Angus for continuing on if that's the case. God, if he does, I really, really hope that it's going to be with Brian Johnson and not Axl Rose. I'm not even a big Axl hater. I'm really not. I like Axl a lot. I think I think he's a unique front man, and I dig Guns N' Roses, but I just, I just don't think it's right that Brian Johnson isn't singing for ACDC when he's pretty much been cleared to do it again. Uh, but anyway, off that soapbox, I did hear this song live on the Black Eyes tour. It was awesome. They they kind of chose that tour, actually, not only to spotlight Black Eyes, which is something I always appreciate about ACDC. And Brian Johnson used to say, if we don't play at least four songs off the new record on each tour, then that means we don't believe in the new record. So they did that. I think they played five, actually, on Black Eyes at that show. But they kind of picked out Let There Be Rock to spotlight as the other big record. They played Dog Eat Dog and Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be, of course, Whole Lotta Rosie. So it was, it was really neat that they really dug deep into Let There Be Rock. Uh, it wasn't even celebrating any kind of anniversary, I don't think, at the time. But yeah, who knows? But I'm glad they did it. I, I would have even been more excited if they had gone Powerage, which leads into the next song here. Man, I would have been like just losing my mind. I probably would have been one of the only ones. Who knows? But this song, man, uh, the next two songs were doing off of Powerage, actually, because Powerage really is just one of the greatest rock and roll albums of all time rock and roll for the sake of rock and roll the greatest guitar tones probably ever put down on a record is on this record it's just one of those lightning strikes once in a lifetime kind of things and not to disparage highway to hell or back in black those are great records and obviously they deserve to be successful records but power is like the fans acdc album because not only is it just one of the best sounding albums of all time, uh, there's really just no radio hits on it either. So there's nothing that you're kind of sick of hearing if you ever are sick of hearing any of those songs. I really am not. I mean, I could listen to You Shook Me All Night Long every day. But I gotta say, man, more people should definitely check out Powerage. It's, it's amazing. Hell, let's just double shot it here. So we're going to start things off with the most laid-back song on the record, if there is such a thing. It's really just one of the more restrained songs on the album, but it's one of my favorites, along with the last song on the record. So for this Powerage double shot, strap yourselves in and turn the stereo up as loud as humanly possible for Gone Shooting and Kicked in the Teeth. Turn it up.
rock and roll double shot you will hear all year on any show that includes radio or podcasts that was gone shooting followed by kicked in the teeth both from 1978's powerage one of the greatest albums of all time that is law and you should own it i i pretty much back owning pretty much every acdc record with the exception of Ball Breaker, I would have to say. And thankfully, George Young had nothing to do with that record. That's all Rick Rubin's fault for the most part. I like the bread of that album. Like, the first song and the last song are passable. But the rest of it is pretty bad. It's pretty embarrassing, lyrically, even for ACDC. But I'm a little I'm a little sad, a little angry, you know, about this whole thing. And, and the part of me that's angry is just the whole thing about Malcolm... Alzheimer's disease, it's its a motherfucker. I mean, it is a damn shame that there is no cure in our lifetime so far for this, and I really hope there's some sort of solution around the corner. They, you know, I've read things over the last decade because it's in my interest to, it runs in my family, to where um, possibly there's a cure in stem cell research for it, and I know people are working on it for that, and so to that I say, 
Don't believe the hype about stem cells. It's not all aborted fetuses. There is a way to do it without that. So, you know, the politicians of the world and people like that, if you hear them support stem cell research, you vote for those people, damn it, because that may be the gateway to the cure. So that's my opinion, and there's my other soapbox rant for the show here. Moving on here, all the way from 78 to 1986, it took eight years for George Young to come back into the production fold for the Brothers Young and ACDC. And it was because, uh, you know, I mean, they did the stuff with Mutt Lang, hugely successful, and then they fired Mutt Lang after, for those about to rock, I almost have a theory that they were maybe getting a little scared about the mainstream success they were having. So they went back to basics. They self-produced for Flick of the Switch and also self-produced for Fly on the Wall, which is interesting because those records sound completely different from each other, yet apparently Angus and Malcolm produced both of them. So I'd have to maybe put that on the engineer. I don't know. But those are both interesting records. I love Flick of the Switch a lot. I think that's a super underrated record. And for the Back to Basics reason, it's definitely their powerage of the 80s for sure. So go look that one up. I like it. Uh, More so than Fly on the Wall. Fly on the Wall has its fans. I like it all right. It's pretty cool. Nothing really wrong with it. It's definitely not ball breaker bad. So coming back for Who Made Who, I think really Who Made Who is my gateway into ACDC. That's the first time I remember like being old enough to appreciate ACDC and being excited for the video to come on MTV. I think I even called the radio stations a handful of times to request it. So I'm going to give Who Made Who the credit for my ACDC fandom. So I got to feature it here on my Malcolm and George Young tribute here. So strap yourselves in. It's Who Made Who.
Right, there you go. The title track from the Who Made Who soundtrack slash compilation. <laughs> the official soundtrack to Maximum Overdrive. It's a compilation, yet it's not a complete greatest hits or best of, but uh, what is it? I don't know. Maybe that's why it's called Who Made Who. And continuing on from there, uh, after that, they decide to stick with George Young, and this would be the second to last album that George would produce for him. And I'm glad George stuck around. I really like his ears and, and what he contributed to the band's sound. I think probably with some more input from Angus and Malcolm, because, uh, you know, Blow Up Your Video definitely has a fly-on-the-wall feel to it as far as some of the production goes. I believe the songs are a lot better on Blow Up Your Video. That's just me. Like I said, this might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know. I don't know what would win in a fan war between those two records. But my vote would have to go at Blow Up Your Video. I think there are more good songs on it than so-so songs. So I'm going to play my two personal favorite songs off of this. We're going to do another block. Why am I doing so many blocks in this episode? Well, I just, the, I wasn't planning on doing this episode this week. And, you know, Malcolm died and this happened. And I definitely feel the need to do it uh, and also to help me deal with it like I did with a lot of these other ones like Tom Petty and AJ Perot and Prince and Bowie. and Just what I do. Not because I feel obligated, but because I'm a fan uh, and I want to pay tribute to it. So if I do it this way, then there's an easier chance for me to knock it out and, and you know, get it done and get back to the other shows that were regularly scheduled so i'm sorry for the two death episodes in a row this week we caught up on some of the fallen this year and they were doing this so there's my explanation it's a long-winded explanation and for sticking around i'm going to reward you with a awesome twofer from blow up your video from 1988 we're starting off with that's the way i want to rock and roll and uh we'll surprise you on that second one here you go
Give me heads, give me tails. Brian Johnson's tribute to the rock and roll three-way. That was twos up, finishing up our blow up your video twofer, starting with That's the Way I Want to Rock and Roll, an underrated single that didn't really catch on and didn't really stick around their set list past, I guess, the Razor's Edge tour, uh, sadly. But I really, really like that song, as well as Heatseeker. I mean, that thing's a beast. But That's the Way I Want to Rock and Roll, ending out with twos up, Love all that stuff. You know, since I played Two's Up, that actually reminds me. I do have... Uh, I don't have any real connection to ACDC, but I really tried at one point. I really did, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little story here. And uh, hopefully one day I can have um, this guy on that was involved with this as well to corroborate my story to prove I'm not a liar about this. You know, I at one point really really tried hard to get into the music industry and i thought i had a pretty good in with uh one of the label reps that used to come in my old record store that i used to work at and really cool guy I, like i said I've, I've been trying to get him on the show for years and he you know i don't know if he's interested but uh i just think he's a really solid dude i love talking rock and roll with this guy and i don't even want to say his name but maybe at some point like i said if he comes on the show so this guy used to rep uh for sony I'm going to go ahead and say that because it makes sense and you would be able to put two and two together if you care about this story. But uh, he came in and told me, hey, we just, uh, Sony just purchased the ACDC catalog. I'm like, that's awesome because I was really underwhelmed with the last uh, CD remaster run that, that happened. I mean, it just was like, eh, you know. And they didn't really get the treatment that they deserved. It's like this iconic act. So. He's like, you know, so what are you guys going to do? Are you guys going to, like, do anything different? Of course, your remasters are going to have to be better. I mean, you know, Atlantic really screwed the pooch. And, you know, Legacy definitely hit a home run. They, they started putting out those remasters. They were just night and day. So much better. Great sound quality. Love those. The, the digipacks and everything. Have them all. And he was like, yeah, we're trying to pitch product to them, but 
you know, they don't really want to go for like a best of or anything. And, you know, I kept thinking about that. I was like, I know they've never done one before. You know, who made who doesn't really count. It's a comp. It's a, it's a small comp. And I knew at the time, you know, I was enough of a nerd for like all these cool reissues that were coming out. And I was like, Legacy on Sony was putting out these really cool essential series, which you still see them in stores to this day. But initially when they would put them out, the whole idea about the Essential series was it was a limited run. They were only going to press like 100,000 copies, if that, and then take it out of print. You know, it would fill the need for the marketplace, and if you really wanted it that bad, you'd buy it, and then it went out of print. That was the whole thing about the Essential double-disc series. And so I said, you know, I, I don't think you guys should give up on pitching a compilation to them because I feel like... They're overdue for a comp, and I don't think it's going to hurt Back in Black sales, because that was the whole thing. Back in Black still sells better than most albums every year, and they were afraid of it cutting into the sales of that. So I said, pitch it this way, like, say, hey, we don't want to cut into this permanently, but let's put out a really cool essential pack for the fans, and also open up the catalog to the world, because if they're just buying Back in Black, and to an extent Highway to Hell, then they're just not getting the whole picture. If they heard these great songs off of Poweridge and, you know, Flick of the Switch and stuff that they just haven't given a chance, then it would help out the sales of the other records. I think you should pitch that. And he's like, it's a really good idea. And so he's like, you know, we're going to the pitch thing in New York. Why don't you make it? Why don't you make that double disc? You make the track list. I'll pick it up on my way there and I'll have it ready to you know, present to him and pitch it and the whole thing. And I was like, wow, really? He's like, yeah, you got two weeks. So, you know, I took all those uh, CDs home (laughs) and I went to town on it and I worked really hard on the thing. I spent almost the entire two weeks like refining it. You know, you know, I had a, I had a really early CD recorder at the house before they were just in everybody's computer. And this is pre iTunes. So I'm working off of this like one CD recorder that's plugged in to my television sitting in this chair making the discs and you literally just you can listen to them double time at best you know so you really have to sit with these things and work all night on them that's what i did every night for two weeks i finally got it to where i had you know you want to when you make a comp and you do a history you know overview of you know if you ever make that mix for a friend you want to get them into that band you want to rep every record in my opinion that's the idea don't give them any kind of false pretenses that everything sounds like this one album so i made the point like each album gets two songs minimum and then sprinkle in some extras if you want especially if you feel like it's a strong album you know not for nothing but you know i understand that flick of the switch isn't that popular so you don't want to go too heavy on it so i did like two for flick of the switch you know like three for for those about to rock your four big ones off back in black you know I, i think i balance it out pretty well and of course, the whole idea of the Essential series for ACDC is you got to do two discs. One disc Bond, one disc Brian. So of course, I separated out even Steven. Thought that was the way to go. I thought it, I definitely thought it was the way to go. I think they would be, you know, it's respectful. So, and also that's the other thing, you know, open up the Brian catalog to the Bond only people and vice versa. Maybe there's got to be some people on the other side of that too. So I did that, gave it to the guy. I don't have a great ending to this story. Uh, he came back, and, and there's a little bit of a decent ending to it. He came back and was like, well, they didn't go for it, but they kind of did. And I was like, what do you mean? So are they going to do like a smaller limited run for this? And he goes, well, they're going to do like a two-disc set, half Bond, half Brian, but they're going to do a DVD instead. We talked him into it based off of this pitch. It was like the consensus. So in a very small way... I'm taking credit for the Family Jewels DVD. So not to say that it wouldn't have happened without me, because it probably maybe would have, but the whole idea of pitching a best-of CD to the band got the ball rolling on it a lot quicker than maybe it would have. That's a great set. I happily bought it myself the day it came out. Still watch it all the time. It's great. All right. That uh, hopefully didn't bore you guys too much, and I've done a lot of twofers here on the show, so I got my talking in. So, last song on the show here, uh, and so glad that they called George back to produce Stiff Upper Lip in 2000, because damn it, they needed him. Like I said, I could not stand Ball Breaker. I thought it was embarrassing. And so, bringing George Young back is like, let's get our brain back 
and get to uh, what works best and just make the best possible ACDC album. I don't think there's a lot of huge fans of Stiff Upper Lip, but I think Stiff Upper Lip is pretty great. And it didn't really hook me the first time either, but over the years, I completely appreciate this record now. And even um, years ago, around when I first discovered Rock and Roll Geek Show, and then Michael played this song on its own, and that's when I really got back into this record. This is one of the great ACDC album tracks of all time, and I feel very appropriate that it should close the George and Malcolm Young tribute here this week. So, closing off our George and Malcolm Young tribute, this is Hold Me Back. Closing off this absolutely necessary tribute to the life and career of Malcolm and George, the Youngs there, that was Hold Me Back by ACDC, of course, from Stiff Upper Lip in 2000. Very great back-to-basics rock and roll album. 
Like, the band basically made three Powerages in their lifetime. Powerage, Flick of the Switch, and that one. So if you're a fan of that just bare bones, not too slick a production, then go check out that record if you haven't already. Or just, you know, wipe the dust off of it and give it another go. Alright. I hope you enjoyed this particular episode. This was, once again, very therapeutic for me. Maybe, hopefully, for you as well. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you heard any of these for the first time ever and it inspired you to buy more ACDC albums than just Back in Black and Highway to Hell, which are great albums and deserve the respect. But, uh, you know, if you bought Powerage or blow up your video based on this episode, then let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You'd make my week if you told me that. Just don't lie to me. All right. Stay tuned on cnjradio.com for the Synaptic Empire podcast featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative, as well as Chris's amazing movie podcast there, Last Theater on the Left, where I co-host uh, most of the episodes with him, but he does a few by himself as well. There's one currently up on The Crow, and also if you didn't hear the 13, Friday the 13th episodes in a row, then go check that out as well. Stay tuned on cnjradio.com also for the Wrestling House Show podcast, which should be probably coming out at the beginning of 2018 or maybe towards the end, somewhere around there. That's tentative, but it's definitely happening sooner than later. And last but not least, extra special thanks to Pete and the guys from Spacebeard for the awesome outro. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband for more information. Purchase their latest album, Gone. If they're still giving it away for free on their site, that's something to behold, by the way. And uh, you tell them that Rock Strikes 10 cents you regardless. All right, we're going to get out of here. We'll see you guys on the next one. I promise that we're going to do new music on the next episode. As we're getting closer to the end of the year, i got to get some more rock and ranks out there before the final list of 2018. So stay tuned. We'll see you on the next one. Have fun. Have <laughs> fun.